Welcome to the Life in Deep Ellen podcast, exploring the sacred in art, faith, and community. Well, so often we think that our vulnerabilities are somehow obstacles to knowing God, that they're liabilities to knowing God. We hide our dark nights of the soul and we assume that other people have souls that have never known a dark night before. Juanita is speaking to the power of vulnerability and allowing others to see you, to really, really see you, to allow Jesus to see you and care for you. And that takes a lot of vulnerability. There are two main lies of depression, I think. The first one is that your pain is your own fault. That's a lie. And the second lie is that your pain is unlike anyone else's, that it's somehow unique to you, that it's a burden that you have to carry all alone. And that's a lie too. But whatever pain we carry, we often carry it pretty close, don't we? We don't want to burden others with our messy feelings, our humanness. We don't want to be a burden. And that's something we hear so often for those that are struggling with depression. But wherever we're struggling, we can relate to that. We can relate to the feeling of not wanting to burden someone with our humanity when it might just be a sacred gift that connects us together. But we try to stay private with our pain because maybe we're afraid of really being seen in the ways that this video described. What if they peek into the window of my soul and I'm not sure what they're gonna find? And what if they don't like what they find when they peek and see something deeper in me? But what if they did peek? What if you were seen? And what if instead of seeing something disgusting or different, what if someone saw a piece of their own story in your story? And suddenly what was a private struggle became part of a communal love. What if when someone heard your story, they saw parts of themselves that had been shamed away at some point? What if they found the nightlight for the dark night of their soul in the details of your story? What if you and your vulnerability helped illuminate something in them? This is what it is to be filled in the spirit and vulnerable with your life. What if when someone saw you and saw your human struggles, your human pain and your joy, what if they saw you and they said, oh, it's, it's not just me. I, I struggle with that too. I've, I've felt 
joyful about that too. God doesn't desire us to carry our pain alone. Our culture really seems to think that self-care and self-healing is the path. But the good news of Christ is that we heal in community. We heal together. And being a real human, contrary to popular belief, is not some embarrassing imperfection. But it's a sacred portal to connection and transformation. You see, it is your vulnerability that will connect you to someone else and connect you even deeper to the grace of God. In our weakness, God is strong. In our vulnerability, God is present. It's the things we think are liabilities that are actually part of the process. But this is so hard to practice, isn't it, my friends? We fear that the ground beneath us is not steady. We don't want to fall anywhere out of our control, let alone a well that's unpredictable. So we cling to things that feel more secure, but they don't, in fact, give us more security. Perhaps we're all walking around worrying that the ground might fall out from us. So we walk a little tenser, a little more guarded, walking on a tightrope of faith and life, worried that one misstep could lead us somewhere scary, out of our control. If they see too much of me, they might judge me. If God sees too much of me, God might judge me. Again, we come back to holding our pain privately. We fear we could be punished, even if we've done a lot of deconstruction and we don't believe in eternal punishment per se, we still fear that there are negative consequences to opening up and being our truest selves in our messy human vulnerability. What if God sees us and what if there are negative consequences? It's easier to just focus on doing the right things and living the right way and then maybe we can control our eternal destiny. (laughs) We try to just stay afloat and avoid falling down somewhere. I mean, we've heard about the original fall and we know how that played out for Adam and Eve. And we don't wanna be doing that anymore. We don't wanna fall nowhere out of our control. It turns out though that we really are right. The ground beneath us is not steady. It's not in our control. And you know those moments when it feels like the ground fell out beneath you, the phone call you got, the chapter of your life you went through, the moments when you felt lost and you felt like you were tumbling down. You realize that life actually isn't in your control. That illusion of control is is so nice. But what if, 
what if we can fall into the arms of God? And what if instead of a scary, punishing God who will judge us, there are only arms of love to catch us? Ah, but that's scary too. Maybe if we keep God up in the sky as some mean figure, we can keep our distance from that God. But it's kind of scary too to imagine instead a God who wants to draw near to us. That's a bit scary too. God doesn't just want us to live in a way that keeps us in some type of purgatory, of striving, of trying to do the right thing, of trying to handle things ourselves. God wants to fall in love with us. Yes, I know, it's a cheesy line, but it's true. And I'm not talking about romance and butterflies and all the things you think of with falling in love. Although maybe some of that applies. I'm talking about God is ready to catch you. God is ready to be suspended in trust with you. God is ready for you to let go of your tight grip and allow Jesus to care for you. God is ready for you to say, you know what, I've tried doing it myself and it just keeps not working. I've tried keeping my pain to myself and it just keeps not working. God is ready to catch you. It's as if we are falling upward. This is a phrase that Richard Rohr uses in his book, Falling Upward. And he says that we're kind of down here practicing for heaven. That's part of what we do as Christ followers. But that doesn't mean we just dream of heaven as some eternal paradise and we ignore the earthly realm among us. No, we, you see, we are practicing for heaven. That means we got a lot of practicing to do. And that means that every day something matters here on earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Earth is not some boring or painful rest stop on the way to heaven that we just got to muster through till we get to the afterlife. That'd be kind of a boring story if that's how God designed creation. This isn't just a pit stop on the way to heaven. This is a beloved place where God's spirit dwells and transforms creation. It matters how we live here. And part of I hate slash love to break it to you, but part of establishing the reign of heaven here on earth means cracking open 
like she described in that video, like a seed that falls into the earth. It means cracking open to give and receive love in ways that may terrify us. I don't know about you and, and your past, but connection scares me. Our traumas, our past stories can have a say in how we connect to God and connect to others. But the good news is that if we're brave enough, there are new ways of connecting that don't harm us, but liberate us even further. It's so easy to just stay focused. Christians have stayed so focused on heaven and hell. And I think part of that is because it's easier to focus on some eternal hell than it is to let someone see your own personal hell that you've been walking through. And in the same way, it's easier to just dream of the pearly gates of heaven than it is to have the vulnerability of saying, I saw something that looked like heaven today. God wants us to experience the eternal every day. It's easier to isolate yourself in the midst of your pain because then at least you have some control over who sees your pain, right? And pain feels out of control enough. So if you have pain plus control, you feel a little bit safer. But the truth is that there is no tear that goes unseen by our creator. There is no panic attack that goes unseen. There's no marriage argument that goes unseen. And there's certainly no dark night of the soul that goes unseen by our God. God sees us. And that can be a terrifying reality but it's one that we better start accepting. <laughs> and it's a truth that we should spend less time running from and more time living from. It's a trust fall with God. Who likes trust falls in here? Anybody? No? When the corporate icebreaker is to do the trust fall, you don't run to that new friend you made. You know, Jim and HR. <laughs> Let Jim catch you. That's scary. But I can tell you that God is a reliable trust fall partner. You can fall back into the arms of God. And I invite you to be curious about all the times you avoid that. You stay a little bit hunched over. You avoid leaning back into the grace of God. Part of falling upwards means being brave enough to open up to fellow humans and show them your scars, your joys, your human lives, trusting that in doing so, you actually are part of the world healing. We're going to read Psalm 139 again. Greg already read it for us. And you're welcome to... Find it on your phone, find it in your Bible. We're going to start from uh, verse 7 of Psalm 139. 
and we're going to go through verse 12. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. And your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day. For darkness is as light to you. My friends, there is nowhere we can go that God is not. There is nowhere we can flee from the grace of God. So maybe we could spend less time fighting that. Maybe we could spend less time avoiding that truth. Maybe we could spend less time committed to the illusion of self-sufficiency. Maybe we could lay that down at the altar of Jesus and say, you know, I give up self-sufficiency. I want something different. I don't want to be self-sufficient. I want to be sufficient by the grace of God alone. So this new series we're starting is called I've Been Meaning to Ask, and it's, it's going to be a four-week series based on four different questions um, that will guide our community over these next few weeks. And what I love about this series is that our life groups will be diving even deeper into the questions that we talk about here on Sunday mornings. I've Been Meaning to Ask. So often we can just pass each other and forget to ask those important questions. Those questions that show our vulnerability and lead us into deeper connection with Christ. So I'm excited for this series and I encourage you to consider joining a life group. Not because you feel like you have to but because maybe you realize you don't have to do life alone. Maybe if it's not a life group this time, it's some way that you're forming deeper connections and you're practicing that heaven thing where we help each other, where we love each other in heavenly ways. C.S. Lewis has a quote about friendship, and I think it applies to what we're doing here at Lyde in life groups and smaller group cohorts. He says, in friendship, we think we have chosen our peers. In reality, a few years difference in the dates of our births, a few more miles between certain houses, the choice of one university instead of another, any of these chances might have kept us apart. But for a Christian, 
there are strictly speaking no chances. Christ has been at work. When he said to the disciples, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. We can say this about every group of Christian friends. You have not chosen each other, but I have chosen you for one another. The friendship is not a reward for our good taste in finding other humans like us. It's the instrument by which God reveals to us the beauties of others. God is at work in our relationships, and I have no doubt that God will be at work in the relationships that are deepened and strengthened in this place. I suspect that some heaven will happen when we share brave questions and listen to brave answers, and God will be pleased. I'm going to read Psalm 139 one more time, and then the band will... Our worship team will close, close us out. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there, your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. For night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. May it be so among us in this place. You are deeply, deeply loved.